Hello, and thank you for tuning into the Attack and Release Show, Season Seven, Episode One. Oh my God! Joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses, kicking off Year Seven. Holy crap! This is crazy. Year Seven, the year of completion. What's the uh, what's the seventh year anniversary gift? Uh, I don't know. I should know this because my wife and I just had our seventh year anniversary. Copper and wool. Copper and wool? That's what it says. I guess there's also like traditional anniversary gifts Mm. and then modern anniversary gifts. Traditional copper and wool, contemporary (laughs) desk sets and organizers. It's like, oh, we really settled down and got a lot of gifts to buy. Yeah. Yeah. Audience, if you're listening, you can buy Matt and I an anniversary gift. Cables, copper cables. Keep it modern. Yeah. <laughs> I do not need a desk. I don't need any wool. I do need organization, I suppose, but you need wool. I don't need Nashville's getting wool. cold winter. Keep it modern. I think y'all are about to get smacked with a bunch of weather later this week. Uh, Actually, this weekend. I hope not. <laughs> what? You got plans? <laughs> yeah, I want to go golfing. Let me look at the Let's forecast. See. Sunday, y'all are getting rain. Rain Saturday, Sunday. Friday, though, 61. Friday. Y'all going down to 32 tonight. We're going to get a chilly, chilly Dang, day. Dang, next week, y'all are like into the 20s. Get Sam that wool. Give me some wool. <laughs> Give me some natural. I know, we're getting, I know we're getting cold, but we're not think we're getting natural gas. Getting for that chilly. We're in like the 30s. Now I got to turn on. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, here we are. Starting seven. it off well, as always. As always, a strong start to the year and episode. Yes. So, season seven, episode one, we are titling, What Was the Best Money That You Spent in Your Business? It's going to be kind of business and audio, but I'm pretty sure the two worlds will, as they always do, collide. Um, do, do, do. But before, why don't you take us into a little bit of uh, Season 7 Housekeeping? Woohoo! Housekeeping! Audience, listener, thank you for joining us for literally, this is the seventh year of us doing this podcast, which is wild. Um, Housekeeping, though, we just started doing in the last couple years, and it's been going great. I wish we would have done it from Episode 1, but, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, this is that unique time where you can screenshot this episode or past episode, post on Instagram. We're still doing Instagram this year. Post it there. Tag me, Most Mastering. Tag Matt. For the record mastering, we will reshare your post. We will talk to you. That is the benefit. We get to know our audience one-on-one. Just had a lovely conversation with a new person this week who's a longtime listener and uh, finally shared. And I thank them for that. And then we chatted about headphones and monitors, and we both learned something. So that's great. Uh, That's why we do it. We love getting to know y'all, and y'all are very smart and crafty people, so we like learning from each other. And we all like finishing records uh, better together. So that's housekeeping. Tag us, like, share, subscribe, all that jazz. So appreciative. Help us out, please. It goes a long way. And uh, that's housekeeping. Boom. 
man. So buttoned up. Buttoned up buttered. like a cardigan. There you go. A wool cardigan. A wool cardigan. Cashmere. <laughs> anyway, Sam. <laughs> What would you say? And I'll let you kind of pick a direction. Oh, what no, was the best money that you would say that you've spent in audio and in your business? Great. There's a there's a few things, uh, but let's just start at the uh, from a tangible thing. Uh, the biggest thing that had the best return for me was without a doubt buying good monitors, full range monitors buying great stands for them to go on, so heavy-weighted stands, um, which I use sound anchors, really love them, and then treating my room appropriately, getting enough mass and treatment to uh, make the room sound consistent, you know, pretty flat, and, uh, you know, dependable. And once I did that, my work easily probably cut in half. My confidence went way up. And uh, I started making much better choices. I started learning what records sound like better as well, um, which is a huge benefit. And if you're cutting your work time in half, that is a huge value. Um, and I, I would easily say I cut my work time in half once I got into a great sounding room with great monitors also, got to mention a decent converter and speaker cables to take care of that. So, Lynx Helo still, and then the Grim cables. Just buy, just seven years into this, guys and gals, just save your money and buy a decent setup. Like, even if it takes you a few years, save up, buy good monitors, buy a good converter, buy good cables, invest into yourself, please. It will give you a chance to actually do this. Um, I think that's for me over and over again. I look back at the return of the investment, which was scary, uh, painful, didn't always have the money, put some on credit cards, saved for it as well. You know, combination of both for me over the years. Um, and you know, it's a risk, but also you've got to at least give yourself the tools and the chance to hear records correctly to then make the correct choices to best serve your clients. Also, it's way more fun to work on a setup that you can trust because you you get rid of that kind of small crippling doubt in the back of your head or wherever it is for you, wherever that thing is, that feeling, uh, stomach, head, wherever. Um, I just remember kind of like getting a weight off my shoulders once I had a good room set up. And so I would do that, you know, and before I would buy any gear, before I would buy more plugins or whatever, I would make the investment into a good setup and a good sounding room. Even if you're in a rental or an apartment or a bedroom, you can still do a lot to make your room sound very good and also very consistent and probably better than most people's rooms out there. So easily, best money I've ever spent. If I was starting over, buying great, you know, full range monitors that I like. I'm buying great stands for it to sit on. I'm buying a great converter, great cables, and then I'm treating the room, uh, you know, really well to fit that system. And that's it. That's what that's that is the best money I've spent as far as like tangible things. If you were just to go buy stuff today. 
or be like, hmm, I want to upgrade my system. What should I upgrade? Those are the things you should do. Don't worry about cool outboard gear. Don't worry about desk. Don't worry about, you know, whatever else. Get your foundation set up really well. Start making better records quicker. People will notice a big difference. You'll notice a big difference. And, uh, you know, you'll get hired more. You'll make more money. Then you'll do bigger records. You can charge more for that. You'll make you more money. And that's kind of part of the goal here is making money because you're a business. And if you want to keep doing that, and, uh, you know, you got you to gotta make money, you got to finish records. And I think that's about it. That's a little opening season seven monologue. There you go. A mini. A mini monologue for season seven. So that's like as far as like, you know, like a couple pieces of gear and whatnot. Yeah. Um, do you want to get into any hardware stuff that it's like, I would 100% do this again? Yeah, hardware. I would 100% buy my mass passive over and over again. Would that be your first? Yep, probably. That would probably be Very my good. first. It'd be that. Um, second would be the Better Maker Mastering Limiter. But limiters in the box are so good now, so yeah. quick. They do a lot of different things that hardware can't do. But there is still nothing like a good 2BQ out there. You can't duplicate it by a plug-in. And I'm so sick and tired. You know, a little side rant. Black Friday, <clears throat> an ad I get all the time, Universal Audio, Mass Passive, and they quote, you know, different famous engineers going, I can't hear the difference between the massive passive and this plugin. And they play the AB, and I'm like, how do you not hear the difference? There is <laughs> Take a difference. Your out of your ears. Yeah, I'm like, there's a massive difference between <laughs> the plugin and the hardware. Are you to not hear the difference? Yeah, I'm just thinking, and they, you know, there's a lot of comments where people are going like, this is crap. There's totally a difference. Yeah. And there is a difference. And I will easily die on that hill still that I will take a massive passive hardware over a plug-in any day. It is a night and day difference. If it wasn't, I would sell the dang thing like mm-hmm. and make $5,000 or six, whatever they're going for now. Like They're like seven now. I, think. I would love, I'll st- I've said this every year, I would love to sell all my gear if I could genuinely convince myself that it's not quite as good or as good a tool like the tool set I have. I can't do everything I want to do with plugins. And I think a lot of people that are still bigger names that are saying like, oh, it's the same. And it's just not. I'm so tired of that. So anyway, I would buy the Mass Passive over and over again um, than the Better Maker Limiter. Those are really the two like desert islands, you know, that I've seen the, the biggest return. They get used the most. They work the best on most material. Um especially the massive passive. I mean, that thing is just, I've kind of joked like, you know, if I ever am on a stage for giving a speech about a record, I will think manly. (laughs) Like, what is Sam's sound? A lot of it is a massive passive. Um, Yeah. You know, and some of the plugins too, I really adore. But yeah, that's, if you don't, if you're curious about the massive passive, rent one, demo one, buy one, you know, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I think we've sold like six or seven of them for sure to people in this community 
who have listened to this show for a long time. And we have had no one be like, oh, that was a waste of money. Yeah. The only response I've gotten is, oh my gosh, basically like, I wish I would have bought this sooner. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's the hardware for sure. Be those two pieces of gear. Dude, I just looked up the new prices for the Massive Passive. The non-mastering version is six ninety nine. Oh my god! Like six, like like seven grand. The mastering version, where are you at? Eight, like eight eighty four hundred bucks. Eighty four hundred dollars, like a used car. Yeah, oh. I'm not saying it's not worth it. No, I would still but buy that's it at a that lot price. Of money, but yeah. Before you the, buy that, do the other <clears> thing <throat> I said, which is monitors in a good room. So I'm not done yet. <laughs> um, I'm kind of like also looking up some other stuff that I'm just my mind is kind of blown. Yeah, and I'm not saying once again I'm not saying it's not worth it. I'm just like, <laughs> what's the best money you ever spent? And it's like let these prices like better be like holy crap. So the mastering Varimu by Manly is uh, seventy one hundred. Um, Dang. the standard that's with the T bar mod, which. For mastering, you honestly don't need the non-mastering version is fifty five hundred. So let's just like so the mastering version with T bar mod. I don't think you need it because T bar mod is really if it's to mimic the sixty three eighty six tubes that were initially in this in the nineties. And from what I've read, they say that like you really only need it, and it becomes kind of audible that you don't have it when you compress over six decibels. And it's like you're not really doing that with mastering. So without it's sixty six hundred bucks. And then, but hold on, grab your seat, Sam. I've never even heard this thing. <clears throat> I've seen it around the Manly Slam two uh-huh. channel tube limiter, ten thousand five hundred dollars. I've used those a number of times. That's some cheddar back in the day. I've never even heard these. Yeah, I think I've actually I think I've seen like a, a video of these things being used against like the new Mew and the very Mew. Yeah. And it's like whenever I get into like my money stuff, it's like, don't get me wrong. I'm gonna say this stuff's worth it. I think it's worth it. I was just like, wow, these are so expensive. Yeah. Jeez. I it's like what what is it? Uh Andy Dwyer for the office. Like, you know, you were living in the good times until uh until they're gone, until they're gone. It's like as far as gear prices go. Mm-hmm. So now I'm on Vintage King. The Maslick MEA2, the EQ that I have, used to be like six grand. I bought mine for right at six grand, and it's eighty nine hundred bucks right now. That is crazy, some crazy. Good, some inflation right there. Yeah, it's wild. Good grief. I'm not going to say it's not worth it, but holy bejeebers, Batman. The MPL2, man, that's worth it. 4600 that's a tall order, but that's worth it. You can find <laughs> a lot of those used prices for pretty good. Maslick ages pretty well. Nice thing about Maslick is it has that uh, um, It has that switch on the back from 110 to 24220. So you just like set your input voltage. All yeah. I believe all standard manly gear. Um, Ivana Manly, she said that she switched that stuff. It might just be the massive passive over to a uh, 
like a switching power supply. And uh, she has some neat videos, and she says she's kind of sat down with some pretty heavy-hitting mastering engineers, and they've kind of like demoed these things back and forth. And, I mean, people say there is a difference uh, between this. It's the one with like the switch to like the red button, that whole that whole thing. I guess they've seen like that that switch on the front of the massive passive, that rod that, I don't know if you ever opened yours up, there's a rod that runs through um, like the whole chassis over to the back to the, like the power supply or whatever it is. Yeah, like like turning it on. And I guess they've seen some issues with that. And then they went to this, and she had this really respectable electrical engineer, from what I understand, build a really gorgeous power supply. I'd love to do that. That's just that's a steep price. But damn, they're worth it. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just like I was looking this up because you were like talking about prices, and I'm like, I don't know what these are anymore. And then I was shook. Shooketh. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's get back to the episode. Um, what about uh, what about as far as like I guess this is like a nod and homage to the gear episode we just did. What about like plugins that like you're like this is like the best money that you've spent in business as far as like software. Software, I mean, if Logic would be number one, I've been making records in Logic for. 14 plus years before I was in mastering. So, you know, 200 bucks on Logic. Uh, definitely a high return. Like, 200, I mean, I can't believe it's $200 for a DAW. Like, the return yeah. that you can have from a DAW is crazy. Um, Plug-in-wise, return, <laughs> our base. <laughs> it's He's so old. But our base has saved me so many times it is on so many records I work on that feel a bit thin. Um, or if I just need to solidify the bottom end, our base. If I could thank our base, I would. Um, so thank you, Waves, for making an incredible bass synthesizer, basically, harmonic creator. Um, that's a huge one. I would buy over and over again, and I cannot live without. Um... For a long time, and I still use it sometimes, but for like three or four years, Plugin Alliance XL Limiter, um, mm -hmm. that thing was on every record I did. And mm -hmm. it still is awesome with the mid-side and the mid-side sidechain and the harmonics, the XL, which is like the harmonics creator. There is something about that <laughs> limiter. Ooh, Biggie. What um, up, Biggie? Welcome to Season 7. Yeah, he's like, what? Uh, there's something about that limiter that works so are well. Still talking? Oh, yeah. He's like, "Good lord, dad." <laughs> um, on like rock records, it just has an aggression to it that's really hard to beat. But I would buy that limiter over and over again. Um, Tokyo Dawn's General Edition limiter. That's just like the last few years, but that gets used so much. Um, Oxford Inflator and Oxford Limiter but just for the enhance fader, not for the limiting. Mm -hmm. That thing's been with me. <laughs> I had cracked versions of that. That thing, the Oxford limiter has been with me like for who knows, like how old am I? I'm 35. I've been using that thing since I was like 18. <laughs> like when it first came out. Um, when I first got a MacBook going into college and bought that, saved up my money and bought that. Uh, my first MacBook. And uh, 
But yeah, that plugin, those have the highest returns for me as far as like sonic shaping. Probably our base. What is the sound of Sam? It's our base. <laughs> Logic EQ, that too. Um, but yeah, those are uh, those are things I would buy over and over again. Well, there you go. There you go. From the horse's mouth. <laughs> Nay. <laughs> Nay. Nay. Let's uh, switch it over to you, Matt. All right. Are we starting with gear? We're starting with gear. Let's do the same rundown that I just did. <clears throat> um, or just in general, because so I started with like speakers and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say <clears throat> I've never really had a speaker situation that I didn't overly care for. Yeah. Um, so I loved my Pro X. I still have them. I'll never get rid of them. Um, that with like a Velodyne, and the Velodyne managed the crossover. And there was some like software that I had to buy like my first PC in 10 years. It was like a seven, I bought like a like 11 laptop. With like that little red tracker dot in the middle of it, yeah. Uh, I think I bought it for like seventy, eighty dollars on eBay, and I installed the Velodyne software. Which Velodyne's not even a company anymore that does acoustics that I know of. They just do. They like switched over to like autonomous vehicle systems, and so that's that was kind of interesting on the tail end of using that. Um, and then that laptop legitimately disappeared. I don't know what happened to it. Uh, I have not been able to find it, but anyway, there was like a like a room correction thing in there, and essentially it like plotted out like its low end of what the sub was doing, and I was able to essentially like tell it, hey, I don't want you to do this in these frequency ranges, and uh, I initially was on a KRK V12, and. I sort of sold that to a guy across town. Didn't get money for it. Um, And it was good, but, like, there's a difference when you get, like, a subwoofer that just, like, like, bump, as opposed to, like, doing something that is just, like, overly musical. Like, there's there's a difference between, like, a subwoofer and just an average one and a musical subwoofer that is, like... Genuinely intended and powered for musicality, um, and and you can't like you can't describe it besides that, um, but that just added so much like visibility down into that low end that the Pro Axis didn't offer, and that the KRK didn't offer. And so doing that, having that manage the crossover along with the room correction, I absolutely loved it. I used that for a while, and then I kept on upgrading amps. Um, I think like the Pro X are rated for like 120 watts per channel, and I think I ended up going to like three or four hundred watts per channel mm. just to see like can I like bump this headroom to like keep getting more out of these. And I think I've kind of stretched their usability, and I kind of got to a point where I was really skittish about um, like accidentally putting too loud of a signal through there because I was running so much essentially power to them. And don't get me wrong, it's like, am I using all 400 watts at like one time? No. It's like you're probably realistically using 15 to 20 watts, which would be surprising. And I'm not even using it to drive the low end. I'm using 
a 1500-watt subwoofer, which probably isn't using all 1500 watts. And so, but like the rest of that's kind of like headroom and we'll call it like bandwidth um, that essentially is usability of like dimension and detail. Um, But I was like, "Ah, I think I'm kind of stretching these speakers to what they really aren't intended to do. And then I had this odd fear. It wasn't a fear, but it was a curiosity that if you take a speaker to a point where it's like not designed to like exist in that realm, so like mm-hmm. 400 watts per channel with like a 100, 120 watt speaker, at all are you going to be messing with the frequency, the frequency response of that speaker? And it's like, I get it. You have like specific like sonic signatures of that cone and those drivers. But whenever they're powered beyond where they're supposed to be, do you ever get to a point where you're going to be having something happen to the speaker and how it's performing that's beyond like specification and that I'm not used to, but I could be slowly getting used to over time as I'm kind of upgrading amplifiers. Um, and so it sounds weird kind of saying it, and I don't know if I'm talking myself out of that idea, but it was a long time ago I had that idea. And so I ended up switching to the key threes. I loved them, uh, or I love them a lot. Um, debating on the BXTs. I, I don't know if I want the bottoms. They look cool, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, I have absolutely zero need for a sub now. They are sitting on sound anchors, the original sound anchors that I bought like literally 10 years ago. Um, if this is releasing in January, then it will literally be 10 years ago. Um, that I, it would be earlier than 10 years before I even started mastering, like 2013, 2012. Um, yeah, I had these delivered to the cigar store that I was working at. The UPS driver who's normally used to delivering cigars was like, what the hell did you order? <laughs> it's like these like heavy boxes, like each box weighed 95 pounds. Um, and I love these things. I highly recommend Sound Anchors. Um, anyway, I absolutely love the keys. I have, when I was switching to them, I had such a fear. I guess I've been talking about fears a lot recently. Fear might not be a correct word, but this was a genuine fear. Because <laughs> I tried like ATCs, PMCs, you you named the three-letter speakers, <laughs> and I tried them. Um, and it kind of freaked me out because, uh, and this isn't throwing shade at anything that anyone's using. This is just my personal anecdote. Uh, PMCs, they have this thing that they do in the top end. And even like the rep for PNC, uh, he was like, yeah, you really have to be okay with the with how the tweeters are voiced. And I was like, well, they're hurting my ears. So I'm assuming that's, yeah, yeah well, that's how we voice them. And it's like, well, am I going to be making all this music and turning down the, the top end? Because, you know, translatability is important to me. And so... I don't know. That was at least like some of the experience that I had with them. And I ended up, um, they actually sounded really close to like my Proac Velodyne setup. Um, but the top end was just like screaming. And the, but the image was like gorgeous on them. Um, I, I actually bought a pair of like uh, PMC MB2s. I think this guy totally got a five finger discount on a pair of these MB2s. Found My friend Angel found these down in Miami and I bought them for like three like three grand 
And it's like the tops. And I'm like, man, these are like, I could sell these for like eight grand. And uh, I tried making a crossover and a bunch of other stuff. And then I found these keys for a good deal. And I was like, yeah. But I never sold the MB2s. And so I might sell the MB2s, you know, make some money. Um, but anyway, I went on like my little journey before I found my keys. But I was really scared about translatability. And I think I, it took me like a day and a half max to get used to them. And I, my, my jaw dropped and I listened to them. I was like, these are so similar to my pro acts that I think I can make this work. And I had a record come in uh, from a client in Germany. And it, I mean, it was all like whole records in German. And I was like, I th- like this sounds amazing to me on my end. And like after having mastered it, I sent it off and like, I guess the client had written to the mixer producer saying like, oh my gosh, it sounds so amazing. Like kind of like brings tears to my eyes. I'm like, hell yeah, the keys win, man. And it was like the first record off the keys. Then I went into like another, like 12 songs for another band. And they're like, yeah, this freaking rips. And I'm like, all right, we're good to go, I guess. <laughs> and so translatability was no issue what I was hearing here. And it's like, if anything with a room with setup and everything else, I do everything by ear. Like when I treat a room, which isn't really advisable, um, I measure, of course, but it's like the only thing that matters is translatability. If it sounds like the exact same in your room that it does out of your room, nothing else matters about what you're doing. Um, and so chasing translatability, I would say, was probably some of the best money that I've ever spent. And the keys definitely are that. Even like the Pro X, they were great. I was just kind of missing um, some details in some areas. And like I felt myself like leaning in trying to get to it. Um, okay, as far as like other gear is concerned, mm-hmm. Sam talking about monologues, here I go. Um, as far as gear is concerned, I would say uh, ahead of the massive passive actually would be the Manly Varimu. I love the tone of this thing. Um, I don't really compress a lot with it, but just like the overall box tone of it, it just sounds like a record sounds. And mm-hmm. so long as you have the music that can benefit from it, then go with it. Um, super clean stuff, I tend to stay away from it. Um, if I do have some pop stuff that needs a little bit of grit, I don't mind turning the mix down running it through the very mute, not compressing anything, but just kind of getting like a little bit of like tube character, which tube, like in the tube realm, to me is different than manly tube stuff. And I think you would say, Sam, like tube tech sounds different than manly. Absolutely. As I would say, other tube gear sounds different than manly. And it's like, I have so much respect for what, I, I believe this is how I pronounce her name, and I'm sorry, like, Ivana Manley. This is literally turning into a Manley episode. Um, she is just a wizard at all of this. And I believe everything that she does is just about vertically integrated as, like, U.S. manufacturing gets. Her transformers, like, the way that the the, the way that she is doing her transformers and... Uh, everything out there is glorious. I mean, those things, I guarantee you, you're going to have hi-fi people, if not already, just like scouring the market for like manly transformers as like hi-fi people do. And just like, oh, have you, have you, have you heard this one? Have you heard this one? Like you give it like some time. They're going to be ripping apart massive passes mm-hmm. for like these transformers and boards and stuff. 
um, and with the very Mew. It's what she does with tubes, with transformers, and just everything quality wise with her gear is incredible. Um, I highly recommend it. And so I can even take some pop stuff, run it through really quietly. So nothing's really being hit. And it's not like super quiet, but it's, I don't know, minus 18 or so RMS. And uh, nothing's really moving. Nothing's really doing anything. But you just kind of get like a nice grit and vibe. And then you, when you bring up the level, you just have this nice bloom, 3D kind of image, depth, and character. And there's some stuff on pop stuff where I will just use like the massive passive and the very mew just to get a touch of character and then come back in the box and that's it. Just a super clean transfer through the head or the helo and then just call it a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, I'd say as far as like three pieces of gear, keys and then both my manly pieces. But it's like not to throw shade at anything else I have, but I would say it's like they're definitely desert island pieces in my opinion. Yeah. Um, as far as plugins, I have something written here. As far as plugins, I do have a note about my chain. I guess I guess I'll say this while I'm still on gear before yeah. I've completely switched. So, like I said in the gear episode, that like I was trying out like a Burl ADC. And in all honesty, it just really reinforced how much I love my current chain. And I'll probably end up selling it. I don't really think I'll hold on to it. I hold on to gear for random reasons. But this I think I will part with. Um, It just wasn't appropriate for my chain. It's a gorgeous converter and like really clean when it needed to be and then really kind of like dug in in other circumstances. Um, I won't get into some of like, like, other comments about it, but it really reinforced why I love my current chain. And it's like, I don't really know if I need to spend money elsewhere. Um, getting into plugins. Um, I would say 120 million percent. The UAD Ampex ATR 102. If anyone has heard me talk about anything plugins or anything else, I've always talked about this thing. It's just a cool, neat tape machine that if you need to add some movement or harmonic glory to to some source, it's just an incredible piece of equipment. It's like the last piece I'm waiting for UAD to bring out on their Spark program before like I can literally be like, okay, by satellite, I can get it all figured out. I'm literally just like, I'll just wait for it all else to come out. But that's like the last one that's like, man, that's the one I need. Um, Let's see. What else? I mean, that's the big one. I would say, hi, Biggie. That really and the Oxford inflator. You have the limiter, I have the inflator. Um (laughs) That to me really just makes the world go round. Yes. And it just sets like a good master apart from a great master. And it's like, oh, it's missing something. Like you ever eat something, you're like, oh, it's kind of missing something. You throw some salt on it and you're like, salt is like a flavor enhancer. Yes. It's literally the salt of the mastering world. The Maldon salt. 
Yeah, I mean, I I love it. I actually have a favorite salt brand. That's my favorite. It's like, on. that's yours. Yeah, mine is. There's this company out of Oregon. It's called Jacobson Salt Company, mm. and I, it is like the most like flavor enhancing salt yep. I've ever tried. And uh, if you have like like if you're like a foodie, I guess Sam, you're a foodie. I'm a foodie. Um. It like the Oxford Inflator is the salt of the mastering world, and <laughs> I love it a lot. Um, I mean, I can get into limiters and everything. I mean, I'm like, I'm kind of like a dog, like chasing after a truck. <laughs> it's like, it's like you know, another truck comes along when I'm chasing this truck. I'm gonna probably go over to the other truck, and uh, yeah, it's like so. It's like I, I like limiters right now, but it's like I could change at a moment's notice. Yeah, um, I would say that. I would say that. Um, let's, uh, let's hop over to, um, business-wise, Samuel. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, what would you say the best money that you've spent in your business is? In my business? I mean, probably, <laughs> initially it would be books. <laughs> just so boring and, like, I feel like that's the most generic eager that's like when Instagram you have, post. Uh, you know the people like they have the soundboard and yes. I think we've used this like soundbite before. We said books and everyone's like ah oh, books. <laughs> yeah, books. <laughs> um book. I mean it's true though. Books changed my mind and more so not changed my mind but just like educated me on business because I did not understand business nor how money or wealth worked. And you need to understand all those things in order to have a business. Like, mm-hmm. you need to learn how to, A, create a business, then have the business. Then one of the tricky things is keeping the business running. And then another tricky thing is, what are you doing with your money once your business is running? <laughs> and the, the list kind of goes on and on. And we're all very, like, short-sighted, in my opinion, in the creative world that... um this once again is like give yourself a chance to succeed. Like if you get some momentum going with clients and you get some money coming in and you're like, oh, this is like just kind of working. Like I have, I yeah. do have some stuff going in. You have to figure out how to keep that going. And part of that is understanding how a business operates and you know how seasons come and go and how to think about your money and plan for next season and even next month and so forth with your business because things are just always changing in the industry. Um, you know, how I master now is not how I mastered when I started. And a lot of that doesn't even have to do with, in theory, skill level. Just like Sonics have changed, gear has changed, plugins have changed, monitors have changed, the way people consume things have changed, people's desires mm. have changed. And the list goes on and on. So uh, books about business and about money and investments are really important um, to me. And some of the best books that I really enjoy. Um, Atomic Habits. I've talked about it before. We even did a whole episode on Atomic Habits. I think that's the yeah. only It was like a season episode. one a few years ago. Yeah. Or an episode one. That's how much we like it. We've done one book episode, and it was on Atomic Habits. Um, but that's a great book. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is really good for uh, assets and just thinking about wealth and how it works. Um, you know, if you want like some real quick shot of 
uh, I'll say motivation, like anything Grant Cardone, 10X Rule. Um, those books are so redundant and you can rip through it probably in like an hour. And it's Grant not- is a wild human. Yeah, it's not necessarily like anything new, but you can just read that book and be like, all right, I understand. Like I'm going to 10X myself by giving 10X effort. You know, it's just work harder or work smarter, not harder essentially. Um and or work harder at the things you're being smart at. So um, that's a really good book. But yeah, just you, we have such easy access to books and audiobooks. Like Spotify just added um, audiobooks to premium subscribers. So I've been making my way through easily a top 10 book, which I was going to send you, Matt, because I just finished it. But the book called Same As Ever and it's by the same author who wrote Psychology of Money, which I've talked about before, Morgan yeah. Hazel. This is his brand new book, Same as Ever, A Guide to What Never Changes. And it is just so fascinating. Um, it's just such a good overview of where we are as society and how things really never change and um, what to focus on from a mm. kind of long-term uh, perspective as far as like money goes, but just lifestyle and choices and choices for your business. He breaks down a ton of different businesses and why they succeed and fail and cycles of business. And there's a ton of good stories. It's just really well-written. Um, and it's super fun to listen to. It sounds almost like a long-format podcast, um, which I really enjoyed. So Same As Ever is the name of that book. Check it out. Um. I also, I have the Libby app, which works with my local library. I do go to my mm. local library still. Um, and I will check out books, but also I can get digital books for free. You can get all this for free, probably at your local library and get digital books on your phone or Kindle or whatever you have. Um, and you can, you know, just search business and probably... Just read the top business books and you'll be way, way, way ahead. So I've probably, you know, I probably own like, I'm going to say only, like only like 30 business books, um, you know, which is like a lot to read. And I feel like after you read 10 or 15 of them, you like kind of get the gist of it. <laughs> You're like, okay, <laughs> like I understand you have to make some money, you have to save, you have to plan, you know, but you know, it doesn't take that long reading a business book. You can read through them in like four or five hours. It'd be a great goal for everybody to like read one book a month for the next year. And that will have a massive return. So books for me, and I am not a reader. I was not a reader, still not really even a reader. That doesn't mean I don't read consistently. But it's not something that necessarily is like my go-to, but you can just chip away. I mean, it's atomic habits for me. Like I'll read like literally five pages or 10 pages and just be done. Just be like, all right. And that might take, you know, some of these books are small. So, you know, it might take only like five minutes, but it's worth doing. There's massive return on that. So books, highly recommend books. Um, I was joking with Matt, but I was like a good lender, like a bank lender is really mm. good, like massive returns in theory of someone who can actually help grow your business or just grow your personal life. So it took me a little bit of time in Nashville to find uh, what I'll call a creative lender. 
and that's not what you'd Google search, but <laughs> a lender that knows self-employment, um, knows how to work with that. And especially now compared to 10 years ago, like there's a lot of lenders now that are very familiar with self-employment um, or contract work because so many people are now. So it's honestly a ton easier. But when I started, it was like very still kind of foreign to be like, oh, you're just self-employed or you're just 1099'd. So, um, so, but a good lender, uh, obviously a good like CPA as well, um, can have a massive return on saving you money and allowing you to grow your business and personal life of, you know, buying a place to live or a house or apartment or something if you desire to do that, to do that. Um, and then a good CPA, I have one on retainer, which is not necessarily cheap. And when I started, it was honestly like, it felt like a lot of money, but the amount of money he has saved me and even then preparing for a lender, um, having a CPA on your team to kind of back up your tax records or be able to explain why you may be showing X, Y, and Z, um, which may look to a lender like, huh, not strange or fishy, but more so like, you know, is this profit or how much profit are you actually making or, you know, looking at your P&L, having a CPA or an accountant on your team um, to kind of go to bat for you uh, can go a long way. I've had that, seen that personal benefit. Um, so yeah, those are two other things I would highly recommend is, uh, you know, good lender, good banker. If you're in Nashville, I have five or six people I could recommend you to. Feel free to hit me up. Um, and then a good CPA, which I would recommend the one I have, but he's honestly, he's fold up. He's all failed. He's not taking any new clients. So, um, so that's a hard one. I think Matt would probably agree it's very hard to find a good CPA. Um, mm. I went through four before before I found this guy who's been with me now for, this will be our fourth year filing um, together. <clears throat> so that's one that's a little harder. I I found to find someone who's great at self-employment tax um, and or knowing your business structure. So, but yeah, those are two things you should work at and think about um, you know, these are things I'm talking about right now are just things that you need to do as an adult, to be honest. <laughs> like You need to figure those things out and they're not the sexy things, but they're things that can make you massive amounts of money and give you tools and resources to grow your business, to make more records, um, which I think is very important to all of us, I hope. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the main things. The other things that I'll just touch on briefly, big return, therapy. Like for me, not everybody needs to go to a therapist, but um, I've been in and out of therapy. Um, but, you know, I initially went because I was in a really unhealthy place probably eight or nine years ago. And then now, just every once in a while, I basically do like preventative therapy, but more so it's just preparing for new seasons of life. And um, <clears throat> that's been very helpful for me and beneficial return. Um, and then, you know, health, fitness. I hired a personal trainer a few years ago out of the car accident that I had um, and got back into great shape. And then after two years, I'm just ended my, I'll say paying him every month because I'm equipped and that was the goal for him is to train me and equip me. So now I'm out on my own, but that has a massive return as well of feeling energized and having a healthy outlet of, you know, fitness. And I'm not like a gym rat by any means, but 
there's a massive return on being active three, four times a week and keeping your body sharp, keeps your brain sharp. And I know for a fact that allows me to be super focused and fresh when I'm doing records. And that's a huge return. So everything really compounds on everything. Like everything I've mentioned, um, it's like (laughs) circle back to atomic habits. Everything circles to atomic habits. There's like 30 things I've mentioned that all move the marker like two or three percent. And that equals the hundred percent and like being a healthy human while doing this traditionally probably very stressful job um, and making it work and making it sustainable and enjoyable. So those are the things I would invest to that have had the highest returns. And um, I was just thinking we could do a counter episode maybe of like the worst investments of our money (laughs) could be another Mm. episode because I was just thinking, man, there's like, as I'm talking through these things, there's other things that I'm like, I tried this and that was like a terrible waste of money and time. Hmm. So anyway, I'm going to write that down. I don't know what all I would have. Put it on our list. Yeah. I'd love to think about it. Um, Let me write that down on the list. I don't know what I would, like I normally chalk up to like, like, I don't know, throwing good money at bad as like a learning experience. Yeah. And so I don't really, I like, don't get me wrong, no one likes to waste money, but at the same time, it's like, it's like while I don't really care for this burl, I don't think that I wasted money by trying it. Yeah. And it's like, I have that like IGS tube core that in previous episodes where I've been like, the reason I got rid of it actually was not because it didn't sound good. I thought it sounded great. I bought like some like new old stock uh, 6386 tubes for it. But then like when I went to go calibrate it, like the guy has like all these like calibration like whatever like points on it, and or like you read the manual, you're like, okay, this is where I calibrate. Then you look at like the video that he has, and you're like, okay. And then you look at like your unit, you're like, wait, the all there's different holes in different parts of the chassis, and you're adjusting it on the front. You're saying to me to do this in the back. The manual says like, okay, do this here, but then there's two holes here. And I was like, wait, what's going on? So nothing matched up. I sent it to Vintage King. Vintage King, who's like a, they like repped the company. And they're like, yeah, the guy's not telling us like what to calibrate essentially for zero. And it's like, don't you rep this company? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, you've had this for four weeks. And they're like, yeah, he's not telling us. <laughs> and she's like, that's why I sold it. I was like, man, if I can't even get support from the company. But like, here's the funny thing. And like, I'll tell my wife this sometimes if she's like disappointed about something that, I don't know, kind of, kind of like along like the similar line. Like I'll find myself being like, "Whoa, what's that piece of gear and reverb?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's a tube core." But do you know what that psychologically means? That means that I would have had to go down that road regardless, because of just how I'm wired. It's like I find that piece of gear, you know, attractive to the eye, and I was like. And I don't. I have never since heard a piece of gear that does that. You can bring out the air in somebody, like in the in like a vocal from that, and it just like has this grit to it and this three D image to it. Oh my gosh, it's gorgeous! But it's like the support for it is like, yeah, I, I couldn't keep it. But I wouldn't say it was a bad buy. And so, I don't know. It's like it's kind of funny, like little mistakes you make as you like kind of do this more. It's like I bought that Nif Verimu and I loved it and it was cool and like 
there are some features on it that like nobody talks about. It has these like different release characteristics that like make it f- like work like an opto, and that make it like do different things. And I'm like, this is sick. No one talks about this. But I was like, I couldn't get over like the how the output gain sounded, and it's just like. I have a handful of records that have it on. I'm like, yeah, I can hear it. And it adds cool things to the record, but I'm like, yeah. And I only had it for maybe a month before I sold it. Um, but it's like stuff like that where I'm like, I don't, was that like really a bad decision? It's like I learned from it. And so I don't know. It'd be an interesting episode to, to ponder on. I'd have to think of like what were bad moves that I did. I don't know. <laughs> I, just went, I just changed episodes on you. This is what you did to me, Sam. Got you off track. Yeah, whatever. No, it's all good. It's all good. It wasn't bad moves. Um, in all honesty, I could say it was the best money I ever spent. It's like I knew that that was not the right fit for me. And so now we're back on track, Sam. That's great. I'm glad we're on track. <laughs> now we're back on track. I'm it's the so best money glad. I ever spent. <laughs> It's the no that leads you to the yes. That's what you oh, always yes. said like, it's true. <laughs> in the beginning. That was my mantra. All right, what else you got? Of life. Um, I mean, honestly, that's like kind of it. Those are the things I mentioned are the things that, uh, uh, you know, have most had the biggest return, I'll say. Um, <laughs> well, the other thing I was just thinking, a solid state hard drive has a massive return. <laughs> I have that written down. When I switched to solid-state hard drives, everything got faster, quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty sweet. But yeah, I pretty much mentioned those. The things I mentioned already are like the massive movers. Yeah. Um, so I would say I'm good to go for this one. <laughs> well, all right. Um, so on to mine, I guess. Yeah. Uh, as far as business... My number one is actually my my archival stuff. And man, I was complaining to you earlier today. I don't think I complain a lot to you. That's just my anecdote. <laughs> right. No, you don't. Um, within the past four months, like people, I don't know if you follow along or if you've listened to like the recent episode of like, uh, it, was, it was like a clickbaity title of like, don't lose everything. And it was about like file management. <sighs> man. Every time we do an episode and I say what I do, I always change. Mm-hmm. Um, this change needed to happen. Um, I was like really big on Dropbox and I loved it. But like there were some squirrely things. Like it would always like send back like an MP3 and it would do its own conversion and then it would like send like all these artifacts. And I need to warn clients about it. And I mean, that's never a good image. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll just use it for archival from now on. And so I was like, okay, I'll just like archive on it. And but like at the same time, I had done like backblaze and I have like an actual like archival bay here. And I'm storing everything on one of those OWC Thunder Bays, all my live sessions currently. And then everything then goes to the archive. And uh then Dropbox started deciding to move around a bunch of my files randomly, or I'd go to make a folder and it'd be like, oh, sorry, we didn't make the folder. And then I'd go make the folder again and now I have two folders. And I'd be like, what the hell's going on? Because like, I would still deliver with Dropbox because it was great. I would just have everything spelled out really nice. And then 
Um, I had a bunch of my film, like scans, like 35 millimeter stored mm-hmm. on Dropbox, just in like a personal folder. And I, I was trying to find something that I kind of was doing a project for my other company that I'd taken, like I'd shot in 35 millimeter. And I go to download it, and then I go to open the file, and it's like, cannot read this file. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so everything I'm finding out, just about every 35 millimeter shot I've taken that I've uploaded to Dropbox has been corrupted. And I was just like, if I didn't have the negatives in a scanner, I would be so darn mad. Um, so I also have like stuff like super backed up. And so it's like right now I am completely devoid of Dropbox. <laughs> and like I, I am just kind of moving away from it. And um, a couple of years ago we had a guy from Sampley reach out to us and uh, I was going through a lot of stuff. Sam was going through a lot of stuff. And we just didn't have the bandwidth to get back to him. And he wanted to do an episode with us. And I could totally reach out to him again. But it kind of put it in my ear. And I think Pierce Johnson um, told him about us. And he really liked us. And uh, I'm sorry, Pierce, I never got back to him. But <clears throat> um, I essentially was turning people on to Sampley because I thought it was a really neat service. And it seemed like it could solve some ni- niches, niches, whatever some needs for other people. And so did that. And I kind of used them as a little bit of a test group to see if it would work for me. They loved it. And then I switched over and I loved it. And I used it for delivery because you can deliver in like the full res, which is important to me because it's 9624 is what I work in. And I was like, sweet. And you can have the cool branding. Um, I like that a lot. Um, And then I would still deliver on Dropbox. And Dropbox just kept on doing weirder and weirder stuff. It would like lose things. And I'm like not on a free plan. I'm paying for this thing. And so I switched everything very recently over to WeTransfer, which Sam uses. And they have great branding and everything. And so like I'll do my initial delivery on Samply so everyone can kind of listen to it. And I can also see when people listen to it. Um, so if you need to move a project along, you can see that somebody hasn't listened to it. We're like, hey, would you mind like just checking this out real quick and get your uh, signature, seal approval, John Hancock, whatever you want to call it. And uh, and then you move on, and then I do a like a zip drive on uh, WeTransfer, and it's perfect and it's great. I'm I'm really liking it. Um, I had some misgivings for several years, but I do enjoy it. Now everything is pretty much stored on my archive. Um, I really do like it. It's all solid state. It's all ridiculously fast. And uh, if I were to add to it, I want to put a, a an at a NAS at home. And essentially having some off-site storage. Like, I still have Backblaze, but it's like, okay, well, yet another system that I don't have full control over. And so just to have, like, a NAS at home that it's, if I ever need to reach any project anywhere in the world, I can just tune into that NAS and download that. And so that is kind of important to me. Um, So I would say archival, super important. Plus, if somebody needs something, you're like, yeah, I have it right here. And I've had people come back to me years later and say, hey, do you, by any chance, like, do you, like, we were going to have this, like, redone. By any chance, do you still have, like, the, like, the mix files? We just wanted to hear what the mixes sound like and whatever. It's like, yeah, sure, I don't care. It's like, we contacted the mixer and they don't have the mix. And it's like, yeah, I got it right here. Um, anyway, um, archival. Um, I will say, I have, uh, on my resolution that I said for last year, 
at the Christmas episode, I said, you know, I think I kind of want to get into like meditation a little bit. And I mean, I've told Sam a couple stories. I'll go down like a weird, anything I get into, I always like explore the weird oddity corners of <laughs> things. And so I've gone down like some other weird paths with it, but um, like along like the main line, like I got like a little, what is it called? Like a Headspace app subscription. And I like it a lot. And it's kind of like helped me, you know, like, I've always had sleep problems, and so it kind of like helps you kind of like wind your body down. And it's wild just watching like how like the mind works, and I won't even pretend like I have the slightest iota of what this is about, but it's just kind of nice. And I've had some pretty um, stressful moments. I don't know this year, like you, know, you go from like one meeting to another in my other job, and um, you need to like switch gears real quick, and maybe you have like ten minutes, and it's just like going through breathing exercise and be like, okay, well, you get like a nice reset in the day. It's almost like you take a nap. Um, it's been really neat. Um, I'll also say, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast. I've always felt, I think I've said this to you, Sam. I always feel like when I'm talking, um, I call, I, I, in my mind, I kind of view it like connect the dots. It's like, okay, so you have like one, like dots one through 30, and it's like one, two, three, four. And like my mouth, it still has to go five, six, seven, eight, nine. But my brain goes one, two, three, four, 26, 27, 28. And it's wild because I'll look back at my mouth, that's still counting, eight, nine, 10. I'll be like, what the heck are you doing back there? We're all the way up here. But then I'm like, wait, no, we never made the connection. And I'm doing all that while my mouth's still talking, but I'm thinking about something else. And I'll get through one of these podcasts and I'll be like, how do you think the podcast was? And Sam's like, oh, man, I think it was great. I think it was the best one we've done yet. And he's like, what about you? And I was like, yeah, I think it was great. And then I'll be like, I guess I'll... <laughs> and then in my mind, I'm like, well, I guess I'll hear it when we get to it. And so my mind just moves so darn fast that it's honestly like these little practices and just like slowing down and everything. I actually had a really big problem coming out of the summer. And I told Sam, I was like, I just need to calm my brain down. It is not slowing down. And so um, I've kind of been doing this since the end of summer, and it's really been helping. Um, yeah, I don't know where it'll go, how long I'll do it for, but I'd say so far it's been some pretty helpful, um, it's given me some pretty helpful tools and practices and how to slow down and like you know keep my brain where my mouth is, I suppose. Um, I like that a lot. So... And then I would say the last one is a bit chummy, um, but it does get to another point to where I think I actually am now in life again. But I would say as far as the best business money, as far as mastering I have spent, would actually be on you, Sam. Oh, so when, wow. when I first, like, I had a bunch of friends who were using Sam for mastering eight or so years ago. And I was like, who is this? Joker. And I go and on MosesMastering.com and I was like, oh, you offer like mentorships and this is what you do. And uh, I probably spent like three or four months being like, nah, I don't want to fill out this form. I don't want to do any of this. And then I finally did and I reached out to Sam and we put something together. And uh, I'd been mastering for a few years prior to that. And um, 
but and I didn't really need help as far as like musicality and understanding like how I wanted to master stuff was concerned. But I really wanted to be like a better like steward for my clients and whatnot. And like as I grew, I felt it was like a place that I was kind of lacking. And so that six months essentially morphed into like a really like one like you are probably one of my best closest friends. And um, I mean, it also selfishly. I remember saying, like, the October that mentorship ended, um, how much I had missed doing a podcast, which I had in my cigar store. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a few episodes that were that we put out on YouTube very early on. Uh, I do not recommend looking it up. I'm not even <laughs> going to tell you the name. Um, and uh, but I, I missed having done that. I just kind of felt like a calling, like like or a yearning, whatever you want to call it. That like I wanted to do that again. And I said, man, I love these talks we have every Wednesday. By any chance, would you want to start a podcast? And we can just take these talks. And it's a very universal information, whether it's business or audio or whatever. And uh, kind of expand on that. And yeah, you you said, yeah, sure, I'll sign up for a couple episodes. And uh, was it like January 13th, 2000, whatever, seven years ago it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I had the first episode come out and... I mean, we're getting really good feedback about it, and now we're starting like season seven, episode one. So that's really exciting. Aww. So I would say that is probably the best business money I've ever spent. My goodness. Um, and uh, so what, what's what's the takeaway on that mm. is I think probably some of the best resource that you could have as far as business is concerned is um, is mentorship. Yeah. And somebody who has been there and somebody who's, you know, kind of been through the trenches and can really walk you through certain things um, so that you can, whether it's deliver a professional product, whether it's handle certain situations in a professional way or maybe a more level-headed way, you know, you're getting feedback, you don't know really how to deal with it as far as revisions, and someone's like, no, this is actually a good thing because they just told you what to do in order to finish the project. And then you can move on. You don't need to get emotional because this isn't an emotional kind of thing. And so having a mentorship essentially is a pretty interesting, fun, enjoyable like thing that you that I think everybody should do. And like me personally, I'm like, I feel like I'm at a point in my life again where it's like, I think I need to go and, you know, find somebody who's got some years behind them. And uh, a lot more road behind them than me that can really, I don't know, that we can kind of speak into each other's life, I suppose. Um, and so I'm, I, I'm definitely in search of that. I think that's going to probably be like a resolution for 2024 is to kind of seek mentorship. And Sam, not that you are not a mentor, but I appreciate <laughs> your friendship. And I fully I loved, understand what you're saying. I loved that whole season. And yeah. Uh, yeah, you're the best friend I ever paid for, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I got. This is oh. actually the first thing I wrote down, and I'm like, I'm going to make Sam blush. I'm going to do it. At the end I of the am. Episode. I'm like completely blushed, and ex- I accept the the kind words. Thank you for saying that. It means a lot. You should. You're a good. Uh, you're a good mentor. Thank um, you. I, yeah, I do appreciate that. So, um, on that note. I have nothing else. That was my last point. Great. Um, do you have anything else? No, I'm good to go. I got to cook some dinner. 
I got this Traeger notification. I always, it always sound like I'm like a, like I'm making this up. I'm literally like a few. I don't know. Let me pull up my phone. Let's see. Forty six minutes ago, Happy Grillmore. That's my grill. Is done preheating. <laughs> I, I know Brittany bought flank steak. We're gonna do a little chimichurri, and uh, yeah, get you a uh, get you a grill. Your significant other can can toy around on and go home to some smoked deliciousness. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm. anyway, Miles Wilder over here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> I guess I will wrap up Season 7, Episode 1. So, if you've made it this far, thank you. Also, if you've been listening since the beginning, thank you so much. I, I do know a handful of people who have listened to every episode, mm-hmm. and there are people who have written in that have been like, man, I am binging back to the beginning. I'm like, maybe not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know about the advice that I was given back then. Um, I think I just wanted to talk, and I just wanted to hang out with Sam some more. So um, you don't need to go back that far. But anyway, um, thank you very much for however long you've been listening to this. If you uh, hear the beat come, cue up in the background, that was made by Sam. Um, he does an amazing job. He literally has made six full seasons worth, now on to seven, of music every single beat is unique and it is custom tailor made to this like exact episode and so if you wouldn't mind just saying thank you if you think this if you think think the podcast sounds awesome just say thank you and if nothing else it would be an extension of gratitude from me um to him if you would just say thank you um if you need a mastering engineer, Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. I can be found at For the Record Mastering. And if you wouldn't mind just taking a screenshot of this moment and posting it on Instagram or wherever you share things, that would be cool. Leave us some likes, comments, stars. I think we have like 94 or 96 reviews on Apple. If you wouldn't mind uh, being one of the being one of the few that take us over to 100, that would be sick. Mm-hmm. I'd appreciate it. Even if just stars or just being like, man, I've been listening to these guys forever. Thank you. And that's all I want. Or you can just be like, man, these guys are full of it. <laughs> That'd be cool too. I just want to get over 100. Um, let's see. What else we got? I think that might be it. Sam, you have anything left for the people? No, I'm good to go. Cool. Morning, afternoon, evening, whatever y'all are having. Have a darn good one. We will see y'all in the next one. Woo-hoo. Cue the music. Cue it.